this season turn it up to 10 sort of like a bad habit we're gonna do it again ready or not we're gonna tie some ends go tell a 36 try to grab all the friends we're back like we never left on track like a treble clef skip a beat on the seventh rest bring feast we don't pass them over we got the first fruits no way to show us this yoke is easy this burns light even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike bales torn in two so we gonna be all right it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to his throne alone that's faith alone all glory to god because that's his alone since the land's been slain we can each belong the lord is my strength my peace and my song and i'll lay it all down at the feet of his throne so relax got a still in control he knows every care every village you hold he knows every hair every need for your soul nothing new around here this story's been told bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to his throne bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters, number 431. I'm keeping the 36 on their toes. My name is Caleb Hag. And unable to stay on my toes for long, I'm Rob Vanoff. Yes, somebody asked in the chat room, who's that rapping? You can find all of the credits on messiahmatters.com in the About Us page, uh, including the song itself and the lyrics. Ben Brandon is responsible for the uh, intro music. He just won double gold at Grappling Industries. He smashes on the mats, for sure. And, uh, yeah, he's awesome. Happy he did that uh, rap for us. What is up? How's it going, Rob? It's going well. I think we're going to hit, like, 92 today or something like that. Nice. This is the hottest day of the year so far I thought, for us. I thought, you were, I thought you were going for MM uh, subscriber count. Oh, are we at 90? 
We're going to be at 9,100 here probably uh, within the next week or two. Nice. Yeah. Welcome, new people. <laughs> welcome, new people. We're glad you're here. Welcome, okay. Welcome to the 36. That's right. Are you All one? Right. We Are have you some. One? We have some interesting stuff to talk about. Before we do that, let's do this. I'm going to do this in, in different order to keep people on their toes because that's what I do. I'm keeping people on their toes today. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Boom. See that it's yeah. really important to us that you do it. We really appreciate it. It means the world to us. And uh, we are so thankful for the recent additions to our subscriber list. Okay. And if you're new and want to get a hold of us, there's ways to do that. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That's an answering machine. You're just going to talk to that. You're not going to talk to us. So you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever. It doesn't matter. Tell us whatever you want. You can also shoot us an email. See Hag at TorahResource.com. This is interesting. I get people asking constantly, what's your email address? I say it every show. So there it is. See Hag at TorahResource.com. That is my actual email address. It comes to me. I will answer it. Uh, Messiah Matters is where you can find not only the intro song and all the lyrics and all the credits to our show, including our producers and a producer credit. Uh, by the way, there's a new one up. Executive producers, there will be, if it's not up right this second, it will be up by the end of day um, because I received the art today. So I will fix all that. You should have it by the nice. end of the day. And Mr. Egan, I will get you your cup right away. Torah Resources, who produces this show. I know this is a lot of stuff to talk about, in terms of credits right at the beginning, but let's get it out of the way. Tor Resource uh, will provide you with all sorts of great resources, including free re resources, things from Rob, th things from myself, things from my father, Tim Haig, and others. Um, if you don't have a library membership, you should get one today. And the reason why is because you can also listen to uh, additional teachings by Ariel Berkowitz and others. I won't even mention the others that are in the library. Uh, we are constantly adding to the library as well, and we have just figured out some really fun stuff that we're going to start doing. We're going to change the format of our articles. We're going to make them more into resource centers. Um, and Rob doesn't even know about that. But Well, it's... I also didn't know that we have a premium pillow coming up. That's right. Oh yeah, you I can mean, sleep on. You get you, what we should have done is put Rob's face on that pillow, <laughs> so that you could just sleep right on his face, <laughs> right? Uh, and yeah. a stainless steel water bottle. I'll. I want one of those. I want that. I want that. I'll send one to you. Okay. Did you ever see? There's like Napoleon Dynamite. Did you ever see that? I want that. It's yeah. like yeah. It's like the. I want that. Okay. Um, so here's you what buy these Tupperwares and you get this pirate ship or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to switch over to now. Normally we don't do this. Normally we do not play video on our show. It's normally audio. But you know what? T times are a changing. They're a changing. And uh, we're trying to keep up. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to play some video. I got three will different they, videos will, we're going to play will today. Will come out on the screen? Yeah, they should see it. People they should hear it. Sweet. So you're going to see a black screen while I describe this, just because I'm switching over to it. This is um, this is from a well. I should describe a little bit of this before we play it. Now, first of all, it's Pride Month, right? Who didn't know that? And uh, there, uh, as I was, uh, you know, all these different companies are throwing all their their Pride stuff at you. People are boycotting. It's glorious. Whatever. Uh, the point here is that. I follow a Eastern Orthodox priest who resides in California. He's done a lot of uh, he's done a lot of different work for the uh, the Greek Orthodox Church. 
he, uh, I disagree with him thoroughly on a lot of different issues. Um, particularly, he has, and I'll mention this because I want to actually talk about this on our show one time. He has a, um, he has a whole uh, Q&A that he did with somebody where he talks about Sola Scriptura, why he thinks it's wrong. And uh, he used to be, according to what I understand, he used to be uh, evangelical. And so it's an interesting perspective. Uh, once again, I thoroughly disagree with him on it. And I disagree with him for reasons probably different than the, uh, the standard Christian church, which is why I think it would be such an interesting conversation to have uh, to look at some of his comments. With that said, he has some amazing work that he's done. And uh, his, his video that he put out at the beginning of Pride Month, which is June, if you don't know, if you're watching this later, uh, the, the video that he put out at the beginning of Pride Month is so good. I actually wrote an article uh, to this same effect, but he puts it in such a precise, perfect way, and he does it in a minute. And I figured, you know what? Why reinvent the wheel? Let's just go ahead and listen to him say it. Okay, so here we go. This is from Patristic Nectar. There are illicit loves. There are affections and attachments that human beings can allow to develop which are neither natural nor healthy. Uh, there are loves which should not be accepted by ourselves or by anyone else. The church fathers in the spiritual tradition of the, ch of the church teach us to be most concerned about uh, the illicit love known as philoftia or self-love. This is the greatest obstacle to Christian progress. Love is certainly not love, not that kind of love that is not to be supported, but is to be persecuted wherever it shows itself so that the love of God and neighbor can take its place. When we overthrow the transcendent order of religion, when we don't accept that the Lord God has revealed himself to us, and that his commandments are sacred and can't be escaped, then this is what we end up with, uh, complete chaos and sexual anarchy. I mean, I, amen, 100%. I think he has hit the nail but on the head. that's equally applicable back in the 60s, too. I mean, that, so that... Absolutely. Right, I mean, so this is... I think this is applicable across all generations. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I just mean in terms of like America and like where you have the radical movement that is right. bold and brazen. Yeah. But it keeps getting worse every, I mean, every single year, right? And I, I think that it's come to a tipping point a little bit in the Americas here because um, people are starting to become fed up with it. And we see this, and we're going to talk about this more too. Um, normally we try to stay out of politics and we try to stay out of uh, out of. Um, culture, cultural things around us, uh, at least in, in this show. Um, however, I think that this really speaks to the church itself, the, the state of the American church. And uh, But on, on the flip side, I think that we are seeing people becoming fed up. And I would say that, they, that this, uh, I, read, I read a post, uh, I think it was on the Daily Wire the other day, that said that 72% of Americans including 59% of Democrats polled, believe that there are only two genders. And so this is, this, is a, this is still, we are still winning in the tide of this. And so I think the, the notion of, of all the insanity that is going on, um, I think is coming to a tipping point. Um, however, <laughs> however, we're also seeing uh, what I think is going to be a possible resurgence of the Donatist 
controversy um, that happened in what the four hundreds, four five hundreds. Uh, maybe I'm off on my dates. I should know this. I just studied. Well, it's it. fourth, fifth century. I mean, it's around yeah. the time of Augustine, right? <clears throat> right. So uh, let's explain. He was a. Yeah, and let's 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 just des- let's describe what the Donatist uh, controversy is. Basically, what you yeah, have I'm gonna you- I'm gonna listen on this closely because I'm I'm not fresh on on the schisms and. Sure. So the, the the church uh, had defectors. What uh, what was happening in the Great Persecution is you had uh, there wasn't necessarily at the up until this point there wasn't necessarily uh, a there was a law against being a Christian, but nobody the the government wasn't going out and the Roman government wasn't going out and and just killing people for being Christians. If your neighbor said, "Hey, I don't like this guy." You know, his dog pooped on my on my lawn, and so I'm going to turn him in. Then he'd go to the authorities and say, "Hey, this guy's a Christian." Then they'd have to come. If some if you were reported as a Christian, <clears throat> then you'd then they'd come. And they, so this shifts though, and there is a resurgence against Christianity, and people are actually being persecuted. They're being told that they have to uh, bow to an idol. They have to uh, curse Christ. There's all these different things, right? And they gave out these, they gave out these certificates, essentially. If you bowed to a, uh, this is important, by the way, I'm not just bringing this up, but if you bowed to an idol, then you got a certificate of- It's like a social credit system. Right, exactly. And so, uh, yeah. So like somebody comes to you and says, oh, well, you're a Christian. You say, no, 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 I got my certificate right here. See, I bowed down to an idol. I'm not a Christian. And this is is what would happen. Well, there were many different forms of what the church believed were uh, defectors. There were those who went to the pagan temple, bowed down to the idols, and got their certificate, their waiver, and said, okay, see, look, I'm good. But then there were others who said, I'm not willing to do that. But I got a friend who, who is a pagan. So he goes into the, I'm going to pay him. I'll pay him a couple, you know, he'll a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And he'll go and he'll bow down to the idol. And he'll put my name down. And then he'll give me the certificate. So I got a certificate that says I bowed down to an idol, even though I never really did. Okay. And so this becomes. That reminds me of, we'll just put the leaven out in the garage and we'll, we'll sell it to somebody during <laughs> <Right>. Passover. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine. Yeah, exactly. Out of sight. Okay, out of mind. Sorry. So, Keep going. Keep... so the, the, the point here is that th- this is like one form of defector that the church sees is somebody who has a certificate, but never actually bowed down to the idol. And then you have people who just outright say, I'm not getting the certificate. I'm not going to hold that certificate. Are you kidding me? No, I believe in Christ. I'm going to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. This is no who I am. No matter what happens. No matter, no matter what, what happens. Do. And they were put to death. Sometimes they were tortured. And um, there's horrific stories of people being uh, put into the Colosseum and fed the lions and all sorts of stuff. Okay, so um, why do I say that there's a resurgence of, there is a possible resurgence of, so, okay, let's actually talk about this. There was this guy named Donatus Magnus. And Donatus Magnus said, look, if you were a defector, if you bowed down to an idol, we're not letting you back into the church. You're, you're done. Now, he didn't exactly say that because actually at the end of, one, uh, of his letter, he actually says, yes, we can let these people back into the church, but there's this huge process that they have to go through. They, they, they have to be tried 
basically, to make sure that they are actually going to uphold the faith, faith next time. But here is where the real, the real problem comes for the church. What Donatus Magnus said is, if you were ordained as a priest through a, another priest who was a defector, it doesn't count. And if you took the communion, remember that uh, we've talked recently in the, in the past couple of months, or past couple of shows about the idea of the Eucharist um, uh, conferring grace or, or being the means of grace, right? So, so this plays into this. Like if you take the communion, right, and the priest that administered the communion is a defector, then that doesn't count. Then your then your baptism doesn't count, and your and your eating of the Eucharist doesn't count. You are still on the outs with God because the person that, because he wasn't a real Christian is really what it comes down to. Ultimately for this, Donatus Magnus uh, is deemed a heretic because of his views. And he is, isn't this interesting? He's the guy who is so harsh on people and won't let them back into the church. And so what does the church do? They excommunicate him. And now he's not part of the, the church and now he can't take the Eucharist. All this, all this hinges, of course, on like the Eucharist and baptism and whatnot. Okay, which is interesting in my book because what Galatians three? No, it's faith that saves you. It's not these other things. So, okay, right. It's all. It's another system of works now. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. So. Okay. So now to today. Translate now today. This. Now to today. Uh, there is. A, if you're on Twitter at all, you've probably seen this. This was trending a couple of days ago. If you follow the news outlets, this is probably on your on your uh, on your radar as well. There is a baseball player named Anthony Bass. Anthony Bass plays for the Blue Jays. He's been all over the place. In fact, he was here in Seattle for a, a short season. He's played for I think Florida and other places. He's a relief pitcher, and uh, he has certainly claimed to be a Christian. I went onto his Instagram page. He's got some posts around Easter about how he's so grateful that the Lord has died and risen so that um, people can, you know, people can be saved through his blood, so on and so forth. Okay. And I would say, I, I don't know if he goes to church. I, I assume he does. I don't know if he goes to church. I don't know if he has a regular pastor that he's, uh, you know, under their authority or whatnot. But Anthony Bass posted this. Now, what we'll do is we will watch the post that he put up first. And this is what brings all the controversy to Anthony Bass. So I mean, uh, I'm going to switch over here to our trusty video. And let's listen to the post that Anthony Bass put on his Instagram. Here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians ought to be boycotting Target and Bud Light and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. I think a lot of people make this into a political issue or they say, oh, what's the big deal if, you know, is it really going to make that big of a difference if I'm shopping there or not shopping there? Here's what the Bible says. It tells us what to do as Christians in Ephesians chapter five. It says this, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful to even talk of the things that they do in secret. So what does that mean to take no part? Well, what's Target do? It's a business. They, they make money. They sell things. And to take part in that is to take part in that God of mammon that they're serving and to take part in the darkness that they're purveying and getting out to the world and, and, and shoving into children's faces. And to take part in that is to give them your money. And I believe the Bible gives us radical precedent to say no. 
We are running from that. And to an extend, instead expose those things, to, to, to shout it to all the people that have ears to hear that this is evil, this is demonic, we won't stand for it, we're not going to go to the stores anymore, and we're not going to give them our money. We're going to let our voice be heard so that people can see the light and so that people can be pulled out of the darkness. Okay, now. So that's the baseball star. No, that's not the baseball star. That is a guy oh. named Dude with Good News. This is what oh. the baseball star posted. He posted oh, this on oh, his gotcha. Instagram. So here's the thing. I think that... Uh, so he approved, he like posted it's, it's as it if or he, shared yeah, it. Yeah, it's as if he approves which is, this. Now, which is an endorsement. Right, and here's the thing, is that Dude with Good News, that's the Instagram handle uh, of the post that you just saw, I, I, I think that the intention is good. Taking the verse out of context uh, is definitely an issue there, but there's bigger problems with uh, the, the, the reasoning here be, behind that post. For, for one, um, there are all sorts of companies, all sorts of companies. I, I noticed that, he, that you know he's using a camera. He's got to be using a computer. Right there's the chips are made in in place. There's I mean, go to your grocery store if you're going to boycott everything that has any kind of nefarious, weird stuff behind its company. Guess what? You're not going to be able to. You're going to have to go to your farmer's market. That's about it. And even then, right? Even, even then, then, it might might be a Wiccan that you're buying your soap from. Exactly. Now, so now with the, you know with I mean? that said, don't don't hear me say that that people shouldn't boycott certain places for going no, but too far. But for, what you're saying is that, look, we're in the world. Right. And, you know, and so like in another place, Paul says, there's people you don't eat with. Well, who are the people you don't eat with? Are people who say they're Christians, but are living lives of sin. Those are the ones he says, but not, otherwise you'd have to go out of the world. So right. uh, he's talking about uh, building relationship with people and, and uh, you know, ideas. Hopefully, in hope that people will become believers, but you're not leading with that. You become a believer or I won't be your friend kind of thing. So if we bring this into the world of business, it's like, okay, is there a threshold now? Is it like, okay, I, up till last week, I could shop at Target or up till last week, I could buy Bud Light or whatever. And now that's just too far. They've gone too far now. And so the, I can understand that. Or is it like, wow, like they're really promoting an, an idea that I, I need to distance myself from. And so I'm going to make a, my own religious statement by the boycott, by the sanction, by saying, I, I look, I, I don't, I don't prove I don't drink anymore. And when I did drink, I didn't drink Bud Light anyway. Okay. Well, so right. yeah, that's, I, that's I, not hard. Saying, that's not hard for me. But when it comes to target, we do, we, we shop at target. And the thing is, is that, Bud Light, sure, I can get on that boycott, no problem. Target, it was like, okay, there are a lot of companies that are going to have these same values. You know, Walmart does, you know, they have a whole pride section and everything like that. However, for me, when there is enough people that say, hey, we're not going to do this anymore because it's like I, I will stand in solidarity with these people against what I are there other companies that I give my money to that I probably don't want to because they believe these kind of things too? Yes. But uh, when there's enough people that say, look, we're going to stand up and we're not going to buy stuff at Target because of this, I'm on board. Let's go. I'm, I'm right there with you. 
Am I going to point to a verse in the scripture and say, well, you can't shop at any place that, that believes, uh, you know, that's going to have a pride flag because, well, if the boycotts get that intense, heck yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Let's do it. But that's not, I don't, I, we're not in that place yet. It's like the abortion issue almost, right? Like some people want abortion, like totally outlawed across all 50 states, but there's baby steps to it, right? First, you win a small victory here that you can't have an abortion after three months. And then you try to push it further, try to push that law to two months. So it's, it's baby steps. It's the same with the boycotts. First, we, we get Bud Light and Target out. And, and all of a sudden, what's happening? We're seeing that, that uh, businesses are scared. Okay, it helps when you have people in, in places of, of notoriety standing behind these kind of, of boycotts. So Anthony Bass, pitcher of the Blue Jays, relief pitcher of the Blue Jays, posts this. Two days later, he is, <laughs> he, is uh, he, he makes an apology for his post. Now, I want you to look at how uncomfortable Bass looks here. First of all, it looks like somebody's got a gun to his back. That's number one. Number two, any person who starts an apology with, and I, I had to search all over the internet to find the entire clip because at the very because everybody comes into this clip was with, oh, I, I posted something yesterday or something like that. But at the very beginning, if you get the whole clip, he says, are you ready? And then he says, I'm going to make this quick. Nobody ever, nobody ever starts an apology with, I'm going to start, I'm going to make this quick. Like I could care less about this. Right. So let's listen to his, his comments and then we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, let me find it here. Where are you? There you are. Ready? Yeah, I'll make this quick. Um, I recognize yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. And I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I can say. Thank you. No questions were asked, by the way, uh, which which shows that they that oops sorry, which shows that the uh, the the Blue Jays probably said, hey, we're not taking questions. But he, there's so much going on here. Number one, I don't care how uncomfortable he he looks. The fact is, is I think that, that this comes down to money. They said, we're going to fire you or, you know, your job's in jeopardy or something like that. And at you this know, how point... How does this di differentiate this from me, for me? Differentiate this for me. Um, what we just heard, the whole thing, and then like Kaepernick taking Kaepernick, a knee. yeah. Kaepernick. What, how, is it, are, are those apples and oranges? Or do we have, okay, in both cases, you could say, well, someone had a, a principle. You can, we, we don't even have to bring the Bible into it. They, they express something on principle. And then the question is, do they have backbone to stick with it? And it seems like you said, is it Kaepernick or Ka Kaepernick? Kaepernick, yeah. Kaepernick. He, he at least stuck with it. And yeah, it cost, you know, I, I don't know what it cost him. I think he's still a multimillionaire. I, it's not like... Yeah, have you seen his mansion? I, I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. So so I, it's like, this is not, this isn't 
like if we go back to the fourth century where a Christian is uh, refuses to confess allegiance to Caesar or or you know what I mean, or the emperor or whatever, or bow to God and then they get killed because of their allegiance to Christ. Um versus, and I think this is what you're going with, was like this idea of, oh, I've got this golden ticket. I, I have an out because of I've done some sort of manipulation behind the scenes. And so therefore, I, the, I, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt, you know, you can't arrest me. You can't put me to death. So, so multiple help, things help here. Me, help me. So, yeah, multiple things here. First, first of all, uh, somebody in the comments says, I agree with you that, it, that his job is on the line. Anthony Bass is going to lose his job now. He's going to lose his job for. I mean, he came out onto the onto the mound uh, the day or two after this, and the entire stadium booed him. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so, he's he's. I I think his job. But did is, they is, boo him because he backed? Which, which what was the boo for? They bo they booed him because the LGBTQ plus A I A N C S whatever uh, put a call out to boo him because they said he wasn't sincere in his apology. Oh, so we're not going to give you the credit. Like you you bowed right. to the idol. <laughs> so this yeah. is back to the this is the yeah. Donatus. No. You need to grovel. You you need to yeah. like be on your I want some mud <laughs> yes. on your face when yes. you get up. And 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 this is the point here is never apologize uh for when you stand for the Lord. That's number 1. Number 2, where is the guts? I mean, be a man. Stand up. Now, I say that to me if I was going to lose my job, uh, you know, and there was uncertainty for me on fi financially, that would not bother me. I know that sounds weird, but I'm not, the Lord will take care of me in that respect. I can imagine that, you know, when persecution becomes great enough, they're going to take your kids from you. They're going to, um, they're going to, whatever it may be. You know, there are things where I think to myself, Lord, only with your strength, only with the strength of the Holy Spirit would I be able to stand up and, 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 uh, you know, stand against things that that would be horrific like this. Okay. But here's the thing. Back to your question, Rob. The, the point is, is that I would see Anthony Bass as the guy who says, I'm not going to bow down to that idol. Are you kidding me? In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand up in the square and tell everybody that pagan temple is wrong and people shouldn't go into it. And they said, okay. They put a knife to him and said, now go bow down to the idol. And he did. So that's Anthony Bass. I see Kaepernick as being sanctioned by the pagan temple to go out and yell at everybody for being a Christian and drag them into the temple. One is sanctioned and okay with, the, with one side. One is on the opposing side and they're going to make him do whatever he wants. Hmm. That's what I see because Kaepernick is, in my opinion, Kaepernick is toting the line of the lesbian Marxist Black Lives Matter. I've written a post on this, by the way. You can find it on pronomian.com. Um, there, Black Lives Matter never hid the notion that they were that they came from a uh, two lesbians who affirm and espouse Marxism. Marxism is anti-gospel, very against the, uh, against... Well, they're Marxism, the, the for other, they're capitalists for themselves. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> they're... 
But Kaepernick stands up and he he wants to hold that flag. He wants to hold the black, you know, the the virtue signaling. I'm going to virtue signal the the Black Lives Matter movement and look at me. I'm 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 doing all this great stuff. Um, and I'm going to stand for something. And and all the all the Marxists and all the people who who stand for that. Oh, good job, good job. Yeah, the pat on the back. You know, and then there's then there's people on the side going, whoa, 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 this is football. What are we doing here? And now we have another situation where I think this is even more important. And I think and I and honestly, the the idea that Bass comes out now and apologizes. The real question to me is, what do you do when Bass walks into your into your church? Is it I mean, I think most people so say now, oh, we're, now we're back to Donatist. Like the yeah, exactly. idea of Okay, so we know what happened. Talk to us. Yeah, I think that most people aren't going to say anything. They're going to say, "Yeah, come on in and worship with us." I see this as a as a bowing to the idol, as a, re- a renunciation almost of of God, because he says, "I stand with the with the LGBTQ." Uh, you he, know, he and he did it to himself. Like he didn't have. He could have thought privately to his wife, "Hey, look at this video." You know, I'm I'm. You know, I, I don't think we should shop at Target or whatever. What do you think he's feeling right now? I would say, like, just. Does he regret that? Does he regret the post or does he regret the apology? That's the question. And I mean, if I were someone, if I were someone who s- stood up, boldly proclaimed something, and then the next day was like, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, the person that I would have the hardest problem looking at would looking be my wife. Mirror. Yeah. Or, no, or, my or wife. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. My yeah. wife would be the hardest one. Like, oh, because now. He, he, oh. <laughs> oh. So, right. okay. So now how does this not like dominate his every thought he has now when he, when he goes out there and then they boo him and he's supposed to perform at the top of his game, like a, like a, you know, fine tuned athlete. I don't care about baseball. That doesn't matter to me. But no, no. But how's it? No. But the point is this: How is he gonna? It seems I, like his performance is just gonna plummet. I care more about the the apology than I do about any of his baseball career. And I I'm, I know that that I mean to to someone like Anthony Bass, I'm sure that that is just a slap in the face. But to me, the, this is the pinnacle moment in not only his career but in his in his walk of faith, right? Yeah, yeah. He's it's got to be bothering him. It has to be. And then the other question is, is did, does he talk to his pastor or, or his faith community before he goes out and says something like that? You walk into church on Sunday and this and everybody's like, uh, anyway. The readings all of today, the- Ephesians. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Please right. open to, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't want to beat this up too much, but I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that I think we're going to see more of this. And when, when we see believers or at least people who profess to be believers come out and, and then bow to the, the, the woke mob. Um, and I understand I have friends who are, you know, well, he's claiming I didn't have proper education because I'm now devoting myself to educate myself on, on these issues. So he's now, publicly stated he should educate himself by going to tour resource institute that's what he should do (laughs) he's publicly stated that he posted something that he was uneducated about which now means that which is a i wonder it has this guy 
the guy with the good news, has he posted then a follow-up? I don't know. That guy's not, I mean, I see that guy as being, he's, he's not, I mean, I'm sure he probably did. Maybe yeah, he didn't. I don't know. But I guess the, <laughs> the, po- the, the point for me is, is that uh, when we see people, prominent figures in, in our culture, stand up and say something and then crumble under the pressure to me, that is a that is something that our kids see. It's something that men see. Now, for, for someone like me, it emboldens me, right? I see that and I'm like, bring it, right? Well, like, not only that, it's like you go back to the moment he forwarded that tweet. Was that was that was he already a hypocrite at that point? Was he like, oh, I'll just like get a, I'm going to garner some some cred among Christians. Let's give the guy credit. Okay. Let's, let's give the guy credit. It's obvious that he wasn't educated in how the mob, how the woke mob was going to respond to him or else he wouldn't have crumbled. So yeah, he needs to educate himself. Do we have other examples in, in, I'm sure there are where someone like a celebrity or an athlete or someone who all they did was share a tweet. I know I've heard of this. Like they didn't even sure. And then they get pummeled. Yeah. And then they, and then, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, and then they have to go kiss the idol. Yeah. But then you got guys, then you got guys. Now I don't, I, I legitimately don't know anything about the NBA. I, I mean, maybe back in the bulls when Jordan was playing, I watched a couple of things here or there, but you know, I watched the documentary. I hate Christian Leitner beyond that. I know nothing, but there is a there is a NBA star right now. The, the Daily Wire put out a, an article the other day about this this uh, guy. I think he's from he's from somewhere in Africa. I don't want to get it wrong. He's from somewhere in Africa, a believer, st- apparently a strong believer, because he's like, you know what? I'm tired of all these uh, of all these companies, uh, you know, all these sports companies being woke. So he's making his own uh, his own uh, sports apparel company that is Christian based. And I thought, well, there you go. So not everyone has to bow that. He doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to stand for my faith. And if the woke mob is going to come and take my job or whatever, so be it. I'll go back to Africa and I'll be, I'll be fine with it. So I think that there is a cultural pressure. You know, the blue Jays, Canada is even worse than the U S you know, they, they probably said that they were going to put him in prison or something for hate speech. <laughs> I mean, it's bad up there. Uh, but I digress. All right, let's move on. Mm, yeah, it's been a we've we've been talking about this for a while. OK, if you have comments on that, if you want to talk, talk to us about your uh, your view of it, see HagatorResource.com. You can also call our comment line 253-465-3205. OK, let's move on. Um, I think actually what I want to do while I get my, uh, I have audio that I want to play because we do have a, we have a voicemail that I want to talk about. Um, I'm going to, this will be a quick one, I think. Alexander wrote in, this was on a video uh, on baptism versus a mikvah. And so uh, I have made the argument and I've written this in my Acts commentary that, uh, that I believe that there was a difference between a mikvah and a baptism. And that the first real uh, uh, witness that we have of a baptism, which 
I believe is different than a mikvah is John the Baptist. That's the first, uh, the first, or the earliest document that we have that talks about a baptism is John the Baptist. Now we have mikvahs when it comes to things like Qumran and of course the Torah and, and things like this. Uh, Alexander is going to push against that. He says this. He says we see in Exodus nineteen nineteen or nine three eleven rather that Israel is commanded to wash themselves before accepting the covenant. That's not true. How is baptism in the New Testament writings any different? The people Wait, say, were bat- say it again. He says, we see in Exodus 19, 9 through 11, that Israel is commanded to wash themselves before accepting the covenant. How is baptism in the New Testament writings any different? The people were baptized into the covenant under the authority of John the Baptist, and everyone else, henceforth, is baptized into the covenant under the authority of Yeshua in his name. The pur- purification process also requires a sacrifice. Let's read Exodus 19, 9 through 11. Yeah, that ESV. doesn't sound like, like, that's not how, Paul Paul says they're baptized in the sea, like after. Uh, right. They were baptized, and he says they were baptized into Moses. Into right? Moses, yeah. That's after the Passover sacrifice. So maybe, is he, I guess but I'm this not is, sure. Is he saying look, that the lamb is the sacrifice? I'm and not sure the, the point The point of the sacrifice, I think he's talking about Christ's death and resurrection is the sacrifice there. But is that the parallel to the lamb? Like yes. in other words, Israel at, at Sinai, or not, no, no, wait a minute, sorry, I've got, I've got my chronology wrong. He's saying at Mount Sinai, it was they were washed to prepare to receive the Torah as a baptism. Paul puts it back in earlier at the crossing of the Red Sea is where Paul talks about it. Anyway, I, I'm not sure what, I'm not, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Is I, Am I imagining, I think I'm imagining there's a question when maybe he hasn't actually asked a question. He's just making a statement. Well, he's saying that in, in Exodus 19, 9 through 11, we see Israel being baptized before yeah, they receive the covenant. That's where it says, sanctify yourself today and tomorrow. Yeah, um, but, wash but your clothes. he's... Wash, ah, there we are. Okay, that's my point. It doesn't say it doesn't tell them to go and have a mikvah. It tells no, them to wash sanctify. their. It's li- it says sanctify yourself and wash yeah. your clothes. It's this is. I'm sorry to Alexander, but this is not a representation of a baptism. Now I agree. I think that there is a baptism that we see, and Paul and one and Rob's absolutely right. We see the baptism when when Israel comes through. They are released from darkness from Pharaoh, from bondage and slavery. They come through the water and they receive a new master on the other side. Who's the new master? yod This is the baptism, right? Or at least it was supposed to be yod But of course, we learn later that uh, they they don't really accept the covenant, right? Which is why they yeah, want to make a golden calf. And so, so the, whatever baptism, whether it was in the sea or if 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 we want to just extend the hypothetical idea that this Exodus 19 is a baptism, it didn't, what did it help? What did it, what did it accomplish? Yeah. Ultimately I, the point for me simply is this, a mikvah is done over and over and over and over again. And it is to be able to bring your physical body into a physical temporal space. It is a representation of something spiritual. In this world. Yeah. It, in in this, this world. world. Whereas a mikvah, or a, a baptism rather, a baptism is is a coming into a new life under a new master. And I think that there is a difference. We only do one baptism. There's only one baptism. There's not 
one mikvah. There's many, many, many mikvahs. And you do them over and over and over again. Whereas the baptism represents something else. We've already talked about how John the Baptist goes out from Jerusalem. Why? There were mikvahs all over the place. Why don't you just mikvah them there? The point is, is he goes out because he wants to bring them back into the Jordan again, which is a representation of Joshua, the first chapters of Joshua, where Israel comes to the Jordan, and then they go through another, another what? Another baptism. Israel says we will accept the covenant. So I agree with Alexander that there is a form of a, of a baptism, but I think you've missed it. I think you've missed the, the portion of Exodus where the baptism is. It's not at Mount Sinai. They're already under the covenant. They're already under the, they've already come out of slavery and they have said- They already have Shabbat. They already have manna. Right. They've, that's, after, that's after the battle with Amalek. You know, that's, so they're already victorious in battle. So- yeah, interesting. Yeah. I guess I, I, I'm. It's not entirely clear to me what, what where, where the grip is. But, but that's okay. I don't need to understand. It sounds like you understand what he's. Let's move. We'll move on. Let's move to Garrett. Now we have another one on on um, Mikvus, by the way, um, but we're going to save that. Garrett called our comment line, so we're going to listen to this. This is what Garrett has to say. Life model works is essentially how to build deep relationships with people in a community setting. Let's Could you start it over? Yeah, that's well, that's the beginning. I, I clipped it there. I need to give you a little bit of background. What does he say? At the very Garrett is talking about uh, uh, something that uh, the congregation he goes to is now using. It's called Life Model Works. Oh, okay. Life Model Works. Life okay. Model Works. And so he's talking about some of the some of the some of the reasons that he likes it, but he's also got some big concerns about some of the things that uh, Life Model Works is is putting out, or is that okay. the, that the congregation is starting to pick up on. And this is really where we're going to uh, dive in. So he's talking about okay, this thing ahead. that his that I'm I'm sorry I didn't uh, set this up. I kind of forgot where where I clipped it. Um, so he's talking about this thing that his, his, his congregation is doing now, and he needs he, he's talking about how he's a little bit c- concerned about some of them, but it's called Life Model Works. This is what he has to say about it. Life Model Works is essentially how to build deep relationships with people in a community setting through vulnerability and love and attachment. And I am very on board with all of that. That's great. But something that is troubling to me, and this is the particular question that I have, is something called the Emmanuel process or Emmanuel approach. Um, and in a nutshell, the Emmanuel process or Emmanuel approach is a group or I, perhaps individual, I've never actually done it, uh, or small group, um, two-way conversation with God Um and what troubles me is the two-way conversation with God. Um, so I guess this is really two questions. One is, can you please comment on uh, whether a two-way conversation with God is biblical and also uh, real? Uh, in other words, I pray, I talk to God, and then I wait, and I listen, and then I say, God has spoken to me, and now I, I hear God's still small voice. The second uh, question that I have is uh, just in general what your thoughts are on the use of psychology 
in the context of prayer and um, and, uh, and and the two way conversation with God. Okay, so two questions there. Let's start with the psychology one. I think that uh, modern psychology is great if we start with the foundation of the Bible. What I mean by that is too often people will say, well, yeah, the Bible says this, but we know from research or we know from our psychological journals that it should be the other way around. We know from the Bible that therefore, if we look in psychology and this has been found and it lines up with the Bible, great. In fact, there is a whole counseling course and and, uh, a whole counseling degree that you can get that is based on biblical counseling and not on psychology. I am much more in favor of that. And I think that that uh, aligns us much more with the Bible, and it puts our relationships focusing on the Word of God, which is where we need to focus. Now, if we do that, certainly some of of modern-day psychology is going to uh, align with that. So, for instance, if you have things in your past that you haven't dealt with, maybe you're mad at your dad, or maybe you're mad at your mom. Well, the Bible teaches us to forgive, and the Bible teaches us to deal with those things, and to... Uh, attempt to reconcile those things, whether or not the other person wants to reconcile those things or not. We reconcile those things between us and God and the the sin that might be there in our own lives. Bitterness that has crept in, we deal with that bitterness. And from that, we begin to heal, whether or not the other person allows us to do that or not. So we start with the Bible. Now, some people will say, oh, well, that's modern-day psychology says we have to deal with these things. Okay, fine. But my point is, is that, no, we start with the Bible first. And if something in modern-day psychology uh, doesn't line up with the Scriptures, then we, we reject it, as we should anything. Um, so I do think that, that, that there are great things that we can learn from modern-day psychology if we take them in tandem and start with the foundation of the Bible. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think I, I, I agree, generally. I think, you know, understanding, like, for me, I, I'm really interested in... Um, neuroscience, neurophysiology, all these kinds of things, which are kind of cutting edge uh, fields in terms of how how uh, scientists have are been able to like watch, you know, what's happening in a person's nervous system, for example, and in their brain. And what happens when, you know, someone who's got some sort of uh, let's say cognitive decline, you know, how is, what's their brain doing or, um, and how, when we learn we're it's literally like trees, like the neuro, the neural pathways are literally like trees. And the more you, you, uh, develop a certain skill set. I mean, Caleb, you and I are both mu- musicians. So if you look at, if you were to just, for example, you look at the brain, um, uh, scans of, a child who's learning to play a, an instrument and their struggles. And then you look at, I'm doing cello because Caleb is a cellist. And you look at the accomplished cellist, you're going to see really sharpened, refined uh, nervous system and muscular system, right? There's a physiology. So, so there's things that can be learned. I think that there's like stuff that is wise because it's true, because it's just based on observing the creation. It's observing God's creation. But I, I don't I think psychology you need to be careful because these because these are sciences, they are temporary um, models that are proposed. And then if you go back 10 years, there were different models being proposed. Right. And if you went 10 years before that, there were different models being proposed. 
So the idea of the science is that they're always kind of trying to disprove and come up with a better explanation. And and I like how you said, no, we got to start with scripture because scripture is not changing. Yeah. Unchanging. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but he, so he mentioned, I, I wrote down some things. So the man, I, again, I don't know what he's talking about. I've never heard the name or this Emmanuel process. I don't know what this is. This idea of two-way conversation with God, it reminded me of, who was it, Caleb said, you know, read your Bible. And if you want to hear God's voice, read it out loud. Yeah. Uh, Remember that? So yep. the idea, now listen, by faith, you're going to, like, there's two times in the, in the, the epistle of James or Jacob where he talks about righteousness by works, but he, but he does it because he says their faith came to full fruition. He talks about Abraham offering Isaac, and he talks about Rahab protecting the spies, hiding the spies at Jericho. And he says both were justified by their works. And what he means by that is their faith came to full fruition. And now we look back and we know that they were, that that was a work of God. They did something that was, that was indeed from the Lord. Okay. And there was time where like Abraham walking up Mount Moriah with Isaac, people, you know, people would say, don't do it, don't do it. Right. You'd have, or, or if Rahab had, you know, maybe shared with some other people, yeah, I, I hid these Israelite spies. They could have informed on her. They would say, you can't do that, right? So there's times where a person, we we walk by faith and we believe that, yeah, I believe, I, I believe I'm that God wants me to go in this direction or to pursue this path or to, or sometimes it's like, wow, I, uh, you know, for me, I said something that hurt my wife's feelings and, and I, I have to go say, I'm sorry. And I have to like, you know, reconcile. Right. And it's just not going to let me go. I I have to do it. Right. So there's, but I'm not going to say, well, God told honey, remember what I said earlier? Well, God told me I need to, <laughs> it's just, that's just not the way it is in my experience. And so the idea of, of prayer and intimate prayer with God is scriptural. We have it in Matthew 6. Yeshua says, go in. When you pray, close the door and pray to your Father in heaven who is in secret, and he sees in secret. The idea is, and and what's that about? That is about separating your true inner self from, from the social person that you have to perform which is not necessarily your authentic inner self because you're, you know, for well, yeah, a whole bunch let, of number let, of reasons. But the idea, let, let me just, I'll see if I can land the airplane here. That the idea of having a private prayer life with God is good and crucial. Of course. A, a because you're not, um, well, A, because your greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. That's the core of your walk with the Lord is your relationship with your Lord, with the Lord. Two, when the idea of the privacy or in solitude is that you're not encumbered by those worries about social relationships and, and it's just real. But it's not that now God can see you better. It's so you can see you better. It's so you can understand your 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 issues. You can under learn, you know, from the scriptures and from talking with other believer, trusted believers, and and come to a conviction of of a direction of a path of action etc but 
once someone comes out of the closet and says, well, God told me this, I mean, that's, that's what Muhammad said. Right. He, you know, right. And, and, and yeah, I mean, or, or Joseph Smith, it's like, so at what point does it's like, now we're all thus saith the Lord. And it's like, no, that's, that's not this. It. Yeah. This is the main problem for me is how do you know who's, who's, who's telling you what they, what they want and what they, what they're thinking about and who's actually speaking from God. Here's the thing. And I, I mean, I'll just be very upfront and bold about this. I don't believe that the Lord speaks to people like that anymore. And the reason why is because I think that he gave us the scriptures. Now, can God speak to people like that? Oh, he absolutely can. Yeah. Of course. Of course God can. But as a general rule, the word of the Lord was scarce in that day. And what I mean by that is the Lord's not talking through prophets like he used to. And the reason why is because we have the word of God. And so I I think that this actually touches on your second question. I think modern day um, psychiatry is pushing the notion that as a group, we're going to sit down, we're going to hold hands, we're all going to, you know, say say a prayer. Not only that, not only that, if you look at any of these, that modern day psychology draws on Buddhism, draws on, like when they start using in clinical, like uh, therapy and stuff like that, they draw on all different religious traditions to try to to try to right. say this is like and so and that's that's something because they're not coming from a bible anchored perspective they're just out there drawing on you know whatever wind of doctrine seems to fit the deal this also sounds very charismatic to me no offense to your congregation. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody down. No offense to your congregation if that's not what you... But it seems very how I feel, right? Oh, I feel like the Lord's telling me this, so I'm going to share this with the group. Here's the thing, is that maybe your congregation, and uh, this isn't speaking specifically to the person who made the comment, but to, to me, whether or not your congregation is is charismatic or not, if I was in a congregation and they did that, I would just... Once again, this goes back to probably my 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 boldness to a fault, right? I'm I'm oftentimes too brash and brazen for people to to handle. But I would probably just say, I'm not having anything to do with that. I think it's wrong. <laughs> we have the Bible right here. You want to know what the Bible's telling you or what God's telling you to do? Read your Bible. It's interpret it's interpreted by experts, right? We got it on the soundboard. They, I would just say, I'm not having anything to do with that. And I would start to, yeah, this is such a touchy subject because I don't want to put down well-meaning, uh, well-meaning uh, well, I think, leaders. Me... But but the point is, is that a, a leader who's going to allow something like that, boy, I, th- there has to be some pretty good reasoning behind why you would want to do something like that. Here's what I, here's a suspicion I have of a good intention is the idea is, wow, we're getting into an automat what do you call it, atomatized, like where everybody's just always on their smartphone, right? Or everybody's right. on their on their device, and you have, you know, everybody's just in their own little individual world, watching their own uh, Google feed, that it's all defined by their own preferences, right? So we're all in our own little yes bubbles. And... So that fragmentation, even even married couples or parents from their kids or siblings or whatever, can be separated by technology. And so it seems like, you know, generous interpretation here is that, okay, we, we need some sort of curriculum in our church that we want to help people 
put their phone down and look face to face and go, oh, hi. Oh, and then like to try to build some trust. And so I, he mentioned vulnerability. He's like, hey, like, hey, I, you know, I'm struggling with anger, right? Or, or someone said, you know, I'm, I, uh, you know, I got in a fight with my wife the other day, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm at, I'm at a job that I think the company is, has some morally uh, problematic positions and I, I'm concerned about money, but I, I don't see myself being able to work there. You know, kind of like the thing we were talking about earlier. So like all of a sudden sharing like your real problem with another person face to face, trusting that that's good. You know, I mean, if it's a trustworthy person, you, you don't just, cause I, I've had how many times you have people who come up and they just, they overshare. They'll like all of a sudden dump, you know what I mean? They're like dump, like, and you're just like, um, wait a minute. You don't even, we just met. Right. And this is, this is not appropriate, you know? Okay. So, so the idea is where's, where is the, the healthy, healthy relationship building within the body of Christ? That's, that is a good goal. And maybe it could be this simple that the church body or the elders said, Hey, this seems like a curriculum that seems like it might help us with that goal to get people out of their, off their devices and into like, yeah, wrong, you know. wrong curriculum in my, my book. We, we got to wrap this up. And the reason why okay. is because I just realized that my, uh, my computer's about to shut off because my battery's low, but I want to, I, okay. I do, I do want to address this. Johnny asks, do prophets have to be Torah observant to be, to be prophets? And I said, I don't believe in modern prophets. And he said, what about the two witnesses in revelations that are technically prophets? Are they technically prophets? Of course they're technically prophets. But I believe that you're talking about Elijah. And I mean, I, well, I it believe says, it says in the Bible that if, if you don't hear the Torah, your prayer is an abomination. Right. So, but the, the, but the point simply is, are, can there be prophets? Obviously, there are going to be prophets who arise in the, in the end days. We will know that they are prophets because they, we will know that they're prophets. But the lady who, who stands up in your congregation and says, I got a word from the Lord. I'm beyond skeptical. Can there be prophets today? Sure. I don't believe that. I mean, I would say that 99.999% well, yeah. of, of the quote unquote prophets today would be in the category of false prophets. Okay. We got to wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for being a part of this uh, conversation. Is that we went in a little different uh, different place than we normally do, but that's okay. See Hegg at TorahResource.com. C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. 253 465 It's 253 465 Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Thank you so much for watching this video. Tell us your thoughts on this subject by leaving a comment in the comment section. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, and enable those notifications. And we'll see you in the next video.